C3 Powerhouse in the 2020s. I see our church in a season of revival, a powerful move of God with radical salvations, healings, and young people being apprehended for the call of God. I see extraordinary momentum with a thousand people being saved in a year and increasing until one day we see a thousand people saved across a weekend. I see us being a leadership factory, training, raising up, and empowering leaders who are brilliant disciple makers. There's a multiplication of leaders of all ages who are gripped by a strong and unshakable call of God, which causes them to lay down their lives for the gospel. I see us established in our new premises on Power Road. It's a landmark facility. This will be a demonstration of God's power, a result of a series of miracles that echoes around the nations. The Lord will be glorified for doing exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. I see new church locations, starting with Melbourne in 2020. I'm believing for five new church plants over the course of the decade. I see these locations supernaturally in their own buildings because we first broke through on the Sunshine Coast. I see our church filled with influencers and entrepreneurs, innovative, cutting-edge marketplace leaders who excel in every sphere of society, government, health, media, sport, entertainment, education, and business. Entrepreneurs who set the standard for business excellence, leadership, and wealth creation. I see our church consistently experiencing powerful healings. There is a breakthrough anointing on our church. People get healed in their seats during worship and watching online. People are flying in to be in our services because they've heard miracles are happening at C3 Powerhouse. And I see us being known for kindness in our community. Our reputation is for generosity, compassion, and practical help for those who are in need. I see us a haven of hope and love and acceptance for all, radiating God's love into our community and beyond. And if you agree, this is Secret Powerhouse of the 20s. Give Him some praise right now. We honor you, Lord. We're dreaming for the decade. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are amazing and generous, and we love you. High five someone, grab a seat. Thank you, band. You've done a phenomenal job. Thank you so much. Loved it. Put your hands together for the band right now. Very, very good. Next week, next Sunday night, it's going to be a very powerful night. It's a night of power. It'll go a little longer. Uh, we'll, we'll, it will be a breakthrough night in terms of this series that we're doing together right now, but it will also be a night of prayer for healing and, and moving in the prophetic and God touching our lives so that we do that once a month. So that's next Sunday night. Uh, we're doing this series called It's Time Breaking Intimidation. It's time. Uh, we're going to finish this series with our first of three lots of seven days of prayer and fasting. So Monday the 24th through to the Sunday evening, March the 1st, we'll break the fast after church. You can, uh, we're going to you know, break the fast, have, have the food van, and everyone will be like, party time, all right? Seven days of prayer. Because we want to uh, we partner with God's intention for our church that this is a year of supernatural breakthrough. And we also want to uh, seal what God's doing in your heart in terms of breaking intimidation through out this month, and we're going to seal it with prayer and fasting. And I believe that this, six, this next six months, for those people who choose to step in, are going to find it a radical transformation period of time. You'll get to Powerhouse Conference the last weekend in July with Russell Evans and 
Lucas Connell is going to be our other speaker who moves powerfully in freedom. Not Mike Connell, not related to Mike Connell, but Lucas, who we've had here before. And you won't recognize yourself if you lean into this journey. This series called uh, It's Time Breaking Intimidation, I began last week. Intimidation is a demonic spirit and strategy that robs us of godly confidence and stops us entering into God's best for our life. All right, what happens, just leave that up. So what often happens is God wants to bring you into a a season of of blessing as your father. He wants to pour great things out on your life or he wants to bring you into promotion in the kingdom or an area of influence at a greater level of influence and a greater level of his favour and you're about to step up into a new level and just on the other side of that new level is this spirit, this demon called intimidation with a specific strategy to stop you stepping up to, become all that God's called you to be, to stop you. It's a demonic spirit and strategy that will rob you of godly confidence. And you're like, oh, I don't deserve that. I'm not good enough for that. I I can't make that. And we'll stop you entering into God's best for your life. It's a spirit. And part of my my assignment in this month is to put the the light, the spotlight on the lies of the enemy that we've believed so that we go, that's not truth. That's not who God says I am. That's not the way I was created. That's not God's best for my life. I'm going to deal with that so I can break out of the spirit of, of intimidation around my life. So last week we began, and I'm going to recap to catch you up, but really, can I encourage you, if you weren't here last week, listen to the podcast, watch the YouTube. Uh, the YouTube has got like the, the, some of the things that will go up there, and it will help you in this journey. Okay, so we, we looked at the lies that we believe. Let's put those up. And these are, uh, th- these are just some, not all. It's not a comprehensive list. But many of us can believe these lies about ourselves, and I'll say, um, usually, not because, not because we decided to, usually because something happened to us, usually because someone told us this, usually because we've had an experience that reinforced it to us, or because maybe it was, it was just an unspoken thing in our family that we grew up with and we began. And often it starts like this, with someone saying something, either intentional or unintentional, that the devil gets on and it gets into your head and it's quite possible to come under that cloud of heaviness that intimidation brings and you're like struggling with this thought in your head that's like, you are a loser, you are this, whatever someone said, and it gets in your head, but after After a while, if we're not careful, what gets into our head gets into our hearts. And when it gets into our heart, the Bible talks about our hearts are like a tablet and things are engraved on our heart. That's our core belief. We're not trying to believe that. That's exactly what we believe. And we believe them about ourselves. And that, that is what the Bible calls a stronghold. When it's the wrong thing, it's a stronghold, a demonically inspired thought pattern in our hearts. And so these are the kind of lies that you can believe. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm inferior. I'm not good enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. I'm not smart enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm dumb. I'm cast aside. You might, you might not consciously think this, but I'm praying as we're doing this series, the Holy Spirit will say that's a lie that you believe deep down in your heart. I'm second class Christian. I'm, I'm rejected. I'm a failure. I'm disqualified. Not holy enough. I don't have enough faith. I'm invisible. I'm going to get hurt again. I'm going to fail again. I've got no voice. I'll never measure up. I don't have what it takes. I don't belong here. I don't fit in. I can't tell the real truth or I'll be rejected. That's, such a, that's one of the ones that the devil will tell you because if you share really what's going on, you, it, 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 he'll try and keep you in the dark 
thinking that you'll be rejected if you really bring stuff into the light. Another classic against every Christian is you don't fit in in this church because he's looking to try and take you out of the place where you're, where you're going to flourish. And it's a lie from the enemy, from the pit of hell. Uh, you, you, uh, you'll never see breakthrough. You'll never have enough. You'll never be healed. You're not cut out for this. You're not as good as, insert awesome person. Uh, oh, I'm never going to change. Okay, lies, lies, lies. Liar, liar, pants on fire, devil. Okay. Or we believe lies about God. And when you believe a lie about God, it changes the way you perceive Him and the way that you receive from Him. Here's some of those lies. God's harsh. He's angry with me. He sees me as guilty. He's finished with me. He could never forgive my past. Yes, He can. Just telling you. He favours others above me. No, He doesn't. He doesn't really see me. He doesn't really love me. He doesn't really know me. Doesn't want me to be healed. Doesn't want me to prosper. Doesn't want me to be successful. He's far away and not close. So many different lies. And I'm just talking about two types. There's other lies as well, but we're dealing with these. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit reveals these to us. This is what we talked about last week. We've got a booklet on our chairs tonight, I believe. Got the booklet. Wave it, wave it for me. Grab it. Grab the pen in front of you. And because here's the thing, this preaching won't change your life, but it's going to give you the keys to change your life. This preaching is designed, but if you go to work and the going to work is simply last week, the first part of it is to say, all right, it might take six months because if something's done the journey of getting written on your heart and engraved, you won't get rid of it in a moment. You can get rid of a demon in a moment, but you won't get, of a, you won't get rid of a lie off your heart in a moment. It's a journey and we've got to go to work on this. And so for me, for 25 years, I've been working on overcoming intimidation. Every time God's called me up to a new level of blessing or a new level of, of influence and responsibility, I've always found excuses and intimidation has tried to shut me down. So I've been learning how to overcome for 25 years. But last year, it all came together for me when I said, okay, there's some thoughts that, I've, that have been prevailing for too long that I want to go after. And so I'm going to go after it every day for six months. And I did that for six months, pretty much every day. It took me about five minutes a day. And I want to tell you, I am not the same person I was at the start of last year. Uh, I'm just different and I love it. And I want it for you. I want you to experience the freedom that I've experienced. Does it mean I don't have to fight things? I still got to fight things, but I've overcome major things by going after something. So the first step is to actually recognize the lies and repent of those lies. And the repenting, or repent of believing those lies. So that means, God, I repent. So for me, the lie was I'm inferior to, to others, those more successful than me. I'm inferior to them. And I had to do it. I had to say this, God, I repent for agreeing with the lie from the devil that I am inferior. I repent of that. Even saying that is so empowering. It's a lie. It's not truth. I repent of believing that lie, agreeing with that lie. Then I had to repent of some actions that consistently came out for me of believing that lie. Lord, I repent of comparing myself to others. And I'd say that every day. Lord, I repent of being critical of those who are more successful than me to try and pull them down to my level. That's, that's other things. So over a six-month journey, that was my first thing I'd do. It doesn't take long. I just repent of it. I recognize it's a mindset that needs to change in my heart. And tonight I want to talk about the second step of breaking intimidation. 
You may have heard about how elephants are trained in the circus. When they're little, what they tend to do is they get these elephants and they put, they put a chain on their leg and they attach the chain to a stake. And they drive the stake into the ground and the elephant, when it's young, tries to pull away outside the circus tent in a little yard, tries to pull away and it can't because it's too small and it's unable to pull away. After a while, its mind is trained that it's connected to the stake, therefore don't bother going anywhere. So what they do then, once that mindset has been trained, they actually um, disconnect the chain from the stake. Um, But because in their memory, they're connected to the stake, they don't wander anywhere. Then after years, they remove the stake, but they just leave something on their leg. And that, that thing on their leg is the reminder that I can't wander off. I can't go anywhere. And it can be, they can go up to full-size adults who could easily pull a stake out of the ground. Could easily, and, but they, they operate that way because of the way they were trained when they were young. And I think that's a pretty good picture for what often goes on for us. The lies we believe are like the stake in the ground. And there's usually something that will attaches us to the stake in the ground. And tonight I want to talk about that. I want to talk about breaking the chains of unforgiveness. Because often what keeps the lie locked into our heart, even though we're starting to go to work and we're repenting of it, is often the reason there's a lie on our heart. Often there's a, there's a, there's a, a purpose behind what actually happened that caused us to think that. And it's usually someone, a person, or ourselves or or we think it was God and we wonder why when we were two years old that God let our mother die and we blame God and deep in our subconscious is this this thing that God's harsh and doesn't care and so as long as we're holding on to that unforgiveness we're going to stay chained to the past it might be something that we did and we stepped out and we stuffed up and we made a, we, and, and everything went wrong. And, and we, over and over in our voice, we've said to ourselves, you're a loser. You always stuff up. You always make those mistakes. And after saying that to ourselves for long enough, you, you lost all that money. You went bankrupt. You, you, you caused that friendship to break up. You stuffed up that relationship, whatever it be. You, you, and it gets on your heart. I'm a loser. And the key to getting free is not just recognizing it's a lie and repenting, but it's recognized that attached to that lie often is another person who we need to forgive. And if we don't forgive the other person, then we'll find we're not able to get the lie off our heart because they're intrinsically linked. For me, it was, it was a moment in church where God began to put the spotlight on why I struggled with a, feel, a feeling of inferiority and struggled to actually receive God's love and affirmation over my life. And, and I shared this morning, just simply growing up, awesome parents, really awesome parents. They loved me. They're Christians. They demonstrated, they, they put in me such a sense of the call of God. They had a, a wonderful um, example of sacrifice and service of other people, but they were, they were of a couple 
my, my dad was 54 when I was born. He was, so he was born in 1917. My mum was 40 when I was born. She was uh, born in 1929. They were of a whole different generation who never really expressed their feelings or thoughts or love in my particular family. So I never heard the words that I can't remember, I love you. And I never heard any specific affirmation from my parents about how good you are at this or you're really good at that. And it might have been there, I just can't remember it. And so for me, I struggled with a sense of, of, of self-confidence out of that. And when I hit grade seven, where I went from a school where I was popular and had friends and I was pretty kind and quite sensitive and I went to another school where I, I went to the bottom of the, I went from the top of the pile to the bottom of the pile. I mean, that's, that's primary school to high school often. But, but in this way, I went to another school and the kids were rich and they were, they were um, you know, I had hand-me-down clothes. I, was, we was, I just struggled to fit in. Uh, I, I found that I just didn't make many friends. Thank God I was in a youth group where I had some friends on the weekend, but I didn't have any friends uh, at school and I struggled. And, and then I found some particularly sarcastic guys who would pay out on me. And, 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 I, and I, at the same time, and I remember, I remember this afternoon, I had one particular teacher where I was, I was just, I'm desperate for someone to affirm me. Because no one else is around my life. In fact, everybody else is saying the opposite. We'd call it bullying now. I'm desperate for someone. And I remember one teacher being really harsh towards me as well at the same time. And it just piled on this sense that I'm not, I'm inferior to everybody else in this room. I, I, I just don't measure up. And so that lie got written on my heart. And God began to show me years ago, and he's taken me on a, on a tremendous journey of firstly how I needed to forgive the, the guys who were sarcastic and harsh and critical and bullied me, forgive that teacher, and also to go on a deeper journey to, re, to release and forgive my parents. And I didn't even think I needed to, but just to release and forgive them because they hadn't spoken love and they hadn't spoken affirmation over me. And, I, and this journey has been one I've been on for, for numbers of years and God's set me free. And what's happened as that's gone the other thing's gone. And, it's a, and it may well be something that I've got to be aware of and fight for the rest of my life. Okay, it might be something that will, pick, will come up, every, but I know how to get victory. I know how to get breakthrough. And so tonight, I want to help you. I want to help us. And I want to help us let the Holy Spirit work in our hearts. And I want to talk about five simple steps of how we can release someone who's hurt us. Okay, five simple steps, because as long as we hold on to others who have hurt us, and we can't, we, we couldn't, if, if there's someone that you couldn't actually look in the face and want the best for them, to bless them, then you haven't fully forgiven them. That's, that's the test. If you couldn't look someone in the face and want the best for them and want to bless them, then you're trapped. And so the standard that Jesus set was this. He said it in Matthew chapter 6. He said, it's the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. He said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, you know, Many of us become Christians. We do Encounter Day, highly recommended. We do Alpha, highly recommended. And we hear at one point 
that we need to forgive others because that's the, that's the way. God's forgiven us of everything. He wants us to forgive others or God won't forgive us. And we hear it and we make a mental decision. I forgive that person. I want us to understand tonight that's the start of a journey, but that's not the end of the journey. And for, I can tell you there's been many times where I've spoken to a person and they're like, oh, I thought I'd forgiven someone, but then these feelings keep coming up. And I realize I'd, I'd made a decision to forgive, but I hadn't gone on the full journey to forgive. And tonight I want to help us understand, well, what's the full journey of forgiving looking like? It's very, so the first thing very simply is it's a decision. It's not because someone deserves it. It's not saying what they did was good or okay. It's not saying that they shouldn't be held accountable for what they've done. You're just saying, I'm not going to hold them accountable. That's God's job. And so it's, it's simply a decision. Now, it doesn't make sense, but it's a decision. And that decision gets reinforced every day. And you might want to write this in your notes about releasing people. Number one, make a decision to forgive and confess that decision every day. So it would look like this. My high school teacher was Mr. Philp, who was challenging to me in grade seven. So it would look like this. God, I make a decision to give Mr. Philp and, I, and I'm releasing him from judgment. I make a decision to forgive Mr. Phil. And I, if you prayed that prayer, now it's not just a one-off moment now because we're going to do this every day until we feel God's love for that person. Okay, the second step is, you're like, that's never going to happen. I'm never going to feel God's love for that person. That's why the second step's really important. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us. That's the second step of the forgiveness journey. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to help me forgive so-and-so. I've made, I've made the decision, but I need your help. I need, this, I need the working of God to help me in this moment. And, and you know what? He's amazing. You will be amazed at what God can do if you, if you allow the Holy Spirit to help you. So, okay, I'm praying. The third step is I need to not just ask the Holy Spirit to help me, but I need to now release the pain and anger from where someone else has wronged me. I need to le- release the pain and hanger, anger, anger, that's hungry anger. That's no, some of you might be feeling that right now, okay? But that's a different issue. I need to release the pain and anger of my hurt to God. Ephesians chapter four, verse 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. This is the opposite of pain and hurt. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, here's the interesting thing that happened to me. From primary school where I was, well, I would describe myself as quite sensitive, caring, inclusive, and kind to most kids in my class, except a couple who we had some fights. But apart from that, that was more related to football. But I was kind. I went through this thing of two years at this particular school that, that messed me up on the inside, you know. And, and I've got to say this, nothing compared to many of you of what you've been through, okay? But this is just my story, so I'm sharing my story. I know many of you have been through way, more, way worse than me in your family and in, in your upbringing, okay? But for me, and so I went from that and then I moved to Toowoomba and I went to a school and I became more like the guy's who did that stuff to me in grade seven and eight. I became more harsh. I became more sarcastic. I, become, I became more of a pull, pull people down person. 
and it was a result of what had happened in my heart. I struggled to be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving because of what had happened in me. It was a direct, so the way I related to people now was a direct relationship to what had happened to me and what had been written on my heart. And so when God came and said, I want you to forgive those guys, it began a journey of unlocking things in my own heart. Now here's the thing, that verse 31 says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger. I find it interesting, it doesn't say, don't be angry, don't be harsh, don't be bitter. It says, get rid of, I love the translation. So that the third key to your healing journey is to work out a way to get rid of the pain. Get it out of your soul. Get it out of, because we are all experts at denying our emotions and squashing them down and wondering why when someone touches a wound that's on the inside of us, we overreact. Wondering why that is, it's because we've pushed stuff down. And God wants to help us. And you'll find, and you may have found this, and Teresa talked about this this morning, the first year that she came to, that she was coming to church as someone who had a lot of pain and anger, Bill Double, she just cried her way through the worship. And you might have found that you've come to church and you don't know why, but you feel like, and I've talked to people, like, I never cry, but I came to church and I'm weeping. What is that? Simply, this is God. I, I liken it like this. If, if, if you're a vessel who's got filled with pain and anguish and t- turmoil and self-hatred and all these things that have happened. And, and that's, that's the built-up emotion on the inside. And that's what overflows in your life. When you come in, God's love is heavier than all of that stuff. And it begins to pour into you as a vessel. And what happens is the pain begins to flow out of you. And tears are just pain leaving the body. Tears are pain leaving your soul. It's like God's love is, is coming in and pain is going out. And it's the wonderful thing about our Father. Bible says this. It, I reckon this is one of the most incredible scriptures. That God bottles every tear. Now, Teresa, your first year, that was a lot of bottles going on, right? Kathy Clancy would, would say in her first year, she just cried and cried and cried and cried. And God bottled all those tears. Why? Well, what's that mean? Because He cares about your pain. He cares about my pain. And He wants us to get it out of our system. Now, now it starts for a while in worship and in the presence of God, but there comes a moment where we've got to begin to partner with God in getting rid of the pain and getting rid of the built-up anger. It won't just happen automatically. It's not just, you know, it's not just going to be like, oh, time heals all wounds. Time does not heal all wounds. Time and truth and working with God heals wounds. And so the way that we do that, quite simply, there's multiple different ways, but we've got to find a way to get it out. And it might be this, it might be that writing a letter to a person is a great way to get your pain out and not sending it. Writing a letter, just, I've done that numerous times. I've written to people. Uh, I, I, I probably do it once a month because I just do not want pain to, I, don't, I do not want to carry unforgiveness. I do not want to carry bitterness. I, do not, I don't want to be judging people. I'm like, and you know, there's this secret file I've got that nobody should ever see that I'm just like, I'm just getting that out. Disappointment in this and that, I'm getting it out. And so I've written it. I've got exercise books of of letters that I've written about my past because I I decided I need to go to work to get this out. 
Okay, so writing can be a really good way. Texting your ex to get it out is not how it works. Just saying. Okay, just, you know, ringing up your ex to blast him. That's not getting rid of the pain. That's fueling the fire. Don't do that. Going on Facebook and abusing the heck out of them. That's not how you get rid of your anger and pain. All right, that's, that's not it. That's not good. That's not good. Don't do that. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't do that. Okay. Prayer is a way. Just prayer. Talking to God. This is what I'm carrying. This is what I'm feeling. This is what they did to me. Getting in touch with the genuine emotions that are there. And sometimes it'll be, it'll be there and then something will happen. It might be in a movie. It might be hearing a story. Often it's in the presence of God and you feel something bubbling up. Don't suppress it. Go, what's, ask the Holy Spirit, what's, what's bubbling up in me right now? What's this sadness? What's this anger? What's this pain? I want to get rid of it. Uh, seeing a counselor, a Christian counselor, a Christian psychologist can be a great way to get pain out. I've done that. It's been so helpful for me. I encourage if you want to embrace that journey, it can be a really important thing. A connect group. Come on, a group in church. Hello. Come on. You're, you're, you've got your, uh, this, this is a matter of interest. Did anybody actually bring last week's notes back with you just because you had it here last week? Come on, I feel encouraged. Good job, thank you. Uh, did anyone go to Connect Group and take your notes with you? And like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Or oh, because I want us to talk about the lies. As soon as, like, I'm, I'm talking about the lies I've believed, not because this is therapy for me, but because I know that if I can be open and vulnerable about the lies I've believed and the journey God's taken me through, it can encourage you to sit in a Connect Group and go, you know what, I've, I've just had, I've believed this lie that I'm unworthy. I believe this lie that God's finished with me. I believe this lie that I'm just not good at whatever it is. And even in saying it, you break its power. That's what happens. Light comes into the darkness. Connect groups. Sometimes you've been through some, some things that are heavy. Like seriously heavy. And you maybe need to find a group of people who have been through something similar as well that you can share in a support group and, and it could be some people who have walked through the things and a counselor can help you find that. Uh, you, you, you can talk to one of our pastors, one of the leaders in our church, uh, make, an, make an appointment, have a coffee, just say, I just need to, I need to get some things out there because there's been some pain and I want to get it out there. You'll find that if you don't, scientific research has proven that your emotional health will suffer. You'll be more likely to be angry. You'll be more likely to suffer from anxiety. You'll be more likely to be depressed. You'll be more likely to have PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder. You'll be more likely to have low self-esteem. These are all things that you'll be scientifically research has proven. If you don't forgive, that will be your emotional health. Unforgiveness is like emotional cancer. It will eat away at your soul. If I said to you today, physically you've got cancer in your body, you would go quickly, well, how do I get it out of there? If I said, well, you've got unforgiveness in your soul that's eating away at you and possibly manifesting physically in your body as well, 
then you'd go, how do I get this out? How do I get it out of my soul? It's robbing me of relationships. It's robbing me of joy. It's robbing me and it's allowing the enemy to keep me intimidated. That's step three. Step four is this. You begin to pray for that person. And I'd say for six months, pray for that person. Some might be just, uh, it might be quite quick and it was quite light and you're good. I found with the guys from my year seven, it was only a matter of a, a short period of time when I'm like, oh, I could see them and want the best for them and want to bless them. That was, it was quite easy. But sometimes there's some things that are deep. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who bully you. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who isolate you. Pray for those kids at school who, who are making it hard for you. Pray for those teachers who are giving you a hard time for being a Christian. Pray, pray for that workmate who's persecuting. Pray Now, now this might be hard, but the person may be dead. They might not be alive anymore. So don't pray for them. Just forgive them. I just forgive them. I forgive them. And the last thing here is to give them the gift of forgiveness. I want, this, this is about emotional reconciliation. It might not be about physical reconciliation. You might never get the opportunity for that. It, it mightn't even be wise to reconcile with someone because it will open you up to more hurt. It might hurt someone a lot. With my parents, I never talked about, you never, loved, you never said I love you and you never, I just made a decision, I'm going to start saying I love you. I didn't want to put any guilt on them. So this journey is not about putting guilt on other people, it's about getting free from me. I, so I started to be, what happened in my relationship with my parents uh, was, was beautiful, what God did in our relationship. So you don't have to tell someone, I'm wounded because of you but I forgive you. That's not helpful. Okay, just start to act differently. Unless they really know they hurt you and maybe you could give them, here's number five, the gift of forgiveness. The gift of forgiveness is, and I want you to see as you pray over the next six months, and it might be one, two or three people, I want you to see yourself walking up to that person and saying, I'm giving you the gift of forgiveness. I'm praying for you. Now, just I want you to see it. You don't have to do it. I want you to see it. When you forgive someone who has deeply hurt you, you let go of resentment and the urge to seek revenge, no matter how deserving of these things the wrongdoer may be. You give the great gifts of acceptance, generosity, and love. Though the wrongdoer does not deserve these gifts, you don't let that stand in your way. Can I tell you, none of us deserve the gift of forgiveness that we've received from Jesus. And this is us paying forward what we've been forgiven of. You give not out of pity, not out of grim obligation, not with clenched teeth. Rather, you forgive because you have chosen to have a merciful heart. A heart with the power to free yourself so you can live a better life. You forgive. Six months. Someone this morning who's been a Christian a lot longer than I said, I thought I'd forgiven that person, but I realized that I couldn't pray God bless them. So actually I haven't 
fully forgiven them. I've made the decision to start, but I haven't emotionally engaged in the journey spiritually. Can you pray that God will bless them? Not with a hailstorm. Not with losing their job. Not with their life falling to bits. But genuinely pour His love out on them. Show them the forgiveness that, he's, that you've received. Jesus did it. He said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're crucifying me. They don't, even, they don't understand what they're doing. And He actually repented on their behalf and said, you forgive them. What a powerful thing if you repented on someone else's behalf. God, they didn't know what they were doing to me. Maybe they did it because someone else did it to them. Maybe they did it because they never had a different kind of role model. Maybe they did it because they were demonized. Maybe they did it because of all these things that were going on. So God, I'm asking on their behalf, would you forgive them? They didn't know what they did. That's forgiveness. I want us to close our eyes right now. The Spirit of God's moving in this place. Holy Spirit, come and bring healing to broken hearts. We want to get rid of the lies of the enemy. We want to get rid of the intimidation that restricts us. And so often it's connected. The lies we believe, like that elephant, are chains. We want to break the chains of unforgiveness to our past. We want to break those chains. Give us the courage tonight to make a decision to forgive. If you know you need to make a decision to forgive somebody, and you've, you've never made that decision, I just want you to raise your hand right now and say, I'm making a decision to forgive some, a particular person. All right. Keep your hand up. Now, there's others. You made the decision to forgive someone once, but you haven't emotionally forgiven them. You haven't let the pain go. You haven't prayed God's blessing on them. You haven't, you haven't actually haven't released the gift of forgiveness to them, but you're going to go on that journey. Would you put your hand up as well? All right, so many people, so good. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in us. Give us the power over this next six months to release. Help us forgive. Help us reconcile in our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys.